Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. With me today, hashtag full squad. Kid Presentable's here. Hey, hey. DJ Mark is here. Sip. And the great Lavender Gooms is here. Happy New Year's, guys. Good to know. Context. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to... No, context. You can't say Happy New Year's in September. And I'm well, to today, uh, for our Jewish listeners, um, this is the second night, I guess, of Rosh Hashanah. This is technically when shit goes down, right? This is officially the New Year. So, Happy New Year to all I'd the like Jewish to welcome folks. Everyone to, uh, I'd like to welcome everyone to the year 5,779. I think oh, you're... Shit, I, I, also, you're, I don't think you're not... I think you're not supposed to say Happy New Year. Aren't you supposed to say, like, Shana Tova uh, or something? But that shit doesn't like technically translate exactly to Happy New Year, is my understanding. It means something else. Is it the gen- is it the general translation here? You wishing people you know good tidings or whatever? I mean, if we can mean we can make it mean whatever we want, we're already wrong. So let's uh, we can no, we can lead into it however you want to go into it. Yeah, Shana Tova, I think, is what people are supposed to say. So, how Shana Tova to everybody out there, all our Semitic friends. Um, guys, we had ourselves- all our listeners in Iran. Don't worry about Bobby. He's still one of you guys. There's a lot of Jews in Iran, Mike. Learn your history. Uh, we got, we're going to talk to you guys about UFC 228. Um, an excellent card, quite frankly, um, which we got ourselves a dominant champion with a dominant defense. Talk about the rest of it, what was really a fun show. We got so we got a champion that was stripped of her title, um, which no one seems to care. Which is a little strange. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit of uh, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of MMA history, um, some pride goings ons, and some UFC goings ons from over ten years ago. Um, there is a UFC card this weekend, but none of us have fight pass except for Mike, and Mike's gonna watch boxing instead. Because falling asleep the first time during Gennady versus Canelo wasn't enough for the man. Looking for a new sleeping pill right there. Um, in fairness, I didn't fall asleep during Triple G last year. I was in Japan last year. I watched it. I was wide awake because it was Sunday morning. I fell asleep twice. And that shit was like at 8.30 our time. <laughs> it was not a good fight. Um, all right, guys. UFC 228, as I mentioned. Dominant title defense from Tyron, the chosen one, Woodley. A lot of angles to come out of this, but for um, but for people who didn't see it, uh, we're going to go to DJ Mark to talk about how a man defended his title against a kickboxer with over 100 fights, and that kickboxer landed two strikes on him, and we only remember one of them. Marcus, T. Wood really went out there and did work. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, though, I think we have to set the table a little bit more. There's a lot of things going on in this fight, and I want to give... Till, um, you know, because like I mentioned in the last show, there's a couple fights that go on before they have the actual fight. And I felt one of the hardest ones he would have to combat was the scale um, on a Friday morning. And to my surprise, and I think to a lot of the um, general MMA fan consensus was surprised that not only did Till make weight, 
Um, he was a pound under, and he looked good. He looked good on the scale. He didn't look like he was super dried out, and that and that for me was a big surprise because I thought if he was to make weight, which I was seriously, you know, thought that that might not be a reality. Um, that if he did make weight, he would look really drawn out. He wouldn't have the energy, but he looked great. And going into that into this fight, after seeing him weigh in, I was a lot more confident that Till, you know, had a good shot at beating Woodley in this one. And didn't turn out that way. Uh, the first round, I think, was pretty close. I don't, I can't recall a lot of big things happening in it. I remember Tyrone being able to get, you know, in the clinch a couple times up against the cage. I don't think either of them really scored any significant shots. I did give a slight edge to Tyrone um, for octagon control and controlling the clinch a little bit better than Till did, even though Till did get uh, Woodley up against the cage at one point in there. Um, it was really the second round that the, t the tables really turned. And uh, it, I think mostly it was Darren Till coming out a little bit more aggressive. We've seen Woodley's probably his most dangerous as being a counterpuncher. And when he doesn't have a dance partner that um, is going to lead the dance, um, sometimes those fights can be a little bit boring. Um, but uh, Darren Till came out aggressive in that second round. I think he knew that the first round was really close. He needed to pick up the pace and uh, you know get some work done. And that ultimately came to his demise um, as he rushed forward with a punch combination leading with a, uh, I think it was a right uppercut lead. Um, Woodley stepped back, countered with a beautiful, beautiful overhand right, dropped Till. And from there on, you know, Woodley really tried to get the fight done with some ground and pound, really went after it when he when he saw the blood in the water and and put on some good poundage on Darren Till. Uh, to Till's defense, though, he defended himself pretty well. He was able to get positions back. He wasn't allowing Woodley to get in a position and throw strikes hard enough to have the referee stop it, right? I think it was on the cusp a couple times. A lot of times I was thinking like, ooh, a couple more good ones in this position could end the fight, but Darren Till fought back. Um, later into the round... I, Personally, I was I was you know hoping you know Woodley's not going to blow his energy out here. We've talked about his stamina issues in the past, um, but he did a really smart thing in in the closing minute of the round. He started um, cinching up a Darce choke and was able to find success there and uh, was able to uh, submit Darren Till, which I think was a really surprising thing. I don't think any of us really think Woodley um, as much of a submission guy. He really doesn't lean on that skill set too much, where he has dynamite in his fist and has shown. A, a real skill set to do damage um, from the top with ground and pound. Uh, yeah, Marcus, a man who hasn't gotten, he used to get some subs when he first started. That was all he did, quite frankly. He's got rear naked choke, darts choke, arm bar, arm triangle. He hit, that, he hit those in, uh, he, he hit our man Rudy Bears. Rudy Bears got hit with an arm triangle choke. But we have not seen um, Tyron hit a sub in a fight since 2009. So it was a surprise for everybody, really. Mm -hmm. and, and, and a more higher skill level. A, a Darce choke isn't something that a novice is going to be able to pull off. You have to know when you're in the right position. You know, have to know, have to know how to cinch it up and, and really, you know, dig into it to, to, to get the tap on it. So, you know, and Woodley got his black belt we saw shortly after because of that. So um, you can tell the dude was putting in some work. And what I really liked is just the uh, the mental awareness that Woodley had in this fight. Not getting rattled, him not going into the second round thinking like, I got to push the pace. I got to make something happen here, which ultimately is what Darren did that led to his downfall. And I really liked the um, the awareness to know that I'm pounding this guy out hard and he's not giving, the referee's not giving it to me. Let me try a different avenue here. What's another way I could finish this fight without exerting a ton of energy? And going for a submission in the last minute of the round, I think is always a smart thing. You know, anytime you put yourself in a position to go for submission. You also, um, you know, risk losing position. 
Um, but you know, when you, when you put in the work that he did, obviously Darren Till was very exhausted at that um, during this time because of all the damage he took. Um, it was just really smart. I, I yeah. really liked his awareness to to go for that and get the finish that Mar way. Marcus, my impression, honestly, of Woodley is like he is easily one of the smartest fighters. I think both in out of the, out of the cage. Quite frankly, his general approach to what he does thing, I'm just does. I'm generally impressed with him. Um, and this was he always he says he's the best welterweight of all time. I think we all recognize that's probably George St. Pierre, but I think man's very clearly solidified himself in that top three along GSP and Matt Hughes. Steph, there was a bunch of moments in this fight that was like, especially that came right immediately afterwards and with the entrance that I really enjoyed, um, namely Woodley coming out to the song um, Glory uh, from the movie uh, Selma, which was about um, which the march uh, in Selma from MLK. I don't know the year exactly. But he came out and then he threw up what looked to us like my man's throwing up a black power fist for the, for, the, for much of that walk. And I'm like, okay, we're here with Woodley now. Um, I like he was just so a matter of the fact went through stuff. He went through and just beat. He We won the fight, stone-faced. But then uh, you could see the moment he got his black belt, he couldn't keep his fucking excitement. Which almost, uh, it was almost made you realize, you're like, man, does he like that real, the UFC belt more? Or does he like the, the other achievement more of getting his black belt? Uh, what did you, what did you like from Mr. Woodley's body of work outside the fight itself? <laughs> um, that's hard to say. He, he carries himself well. I'm, I'm just happy for the guy. Uh, he's gotten a lot of flack, but the, my big takeaway from watching the countdown episode is like, this man knows he's not getting promoted and he's out there hustling for himself. You know, he got himself the TMZ gig. Um, he mentioned a few other things that I'm blanking off the top of my head, but like, well, wait, did, we know, did anybody download the single? I'm sorry to interrupt you. We've got to download. Oh, I'm yeah. going uh, to whoop your single, ass. His single, I'm going to beat your ass. Um, great, great title. He had someone established on it, right? Like Wiz Khalifa or someone? I think so. I'm trying to find it right now. Go ahead. Um, no, yeah, I just say, uh, wait, is this a Tyrone Woodley fight, uh, song? Yeah, my man oh, put out a, he put out a single. That was not uh, his exactly post said knock you out. He said, I'm a whoop your ass. That's the name of the song, I thought. I'm going to beat your ass. Oh, I apologize. I'm going to beat your ass. Please continue. I apologize. <laughs> um, yeah, the dude, dude works for himself, you know. Um, he's he's be, he's the begrudging champion to all. And I think what I like most is the crowd fucking cheered for him. Um, they rooted for him, you know. Like, he's a guy who gets a lot of animosity, I think quite unfairly. I don't think he says anything that outlandish that people really jump on him. Um, and if you think there's extra reasons why people kind of jump on him for everything he says, uh, you can go ahead and, you know, come to that conclusion on your own. But I really appreciated that he put out a great performance and the crowd appreciated him for it. He's a hardworking champion. He's a really smart champion. And he's a damn good champion. Yeah, I was, I mean, everybody knows I really made a 180 on Woodley and it happened Right, right around the time he beat Gastelum, I think. But then, like, I kind of realized what I was like, what this was, because I was really critical of him, quite frankly, all the time. Um, I actually actively enjoyed when he got knocked out by Nate Marquardt, but I, I don't know, maybe I got older and everything fucking made more sense um, with me for me and this guy. Um, there was a moment I'm not. Sure, I, I sent you guys one of these things, which was Woodley's mom talking to Darren Till after the fight, and I really thought Darren Till took this loss as well as possible, man. And another one, which I'm not sure you guys saw, was Woodley went up to Till and said, hey, man, I was 10-0 when I got my first title shot, the Nate Marquardt fight, you know, and you know what? You don't want to lose a fight, but you learn how to lose, and it sucks, and it hurts right now, but everybody has to lose eventually, and you'll come back stronger, and Woodley's telling this to Till, 
And I, I don't know. I man, every now and then, look. I mean, we like some bullshit fight hype as much as the next guy, but I really, and we made all of it made me happy. Okay, the whole spectrum of what happened made me happy. Um, and Mike, I do believe that he saved the UFC's ass because needing a main event for New York, and he came out of this fight pretty unscathed. And I'm not sure they got a better option than Mr. Tyron Woodley defending that belt in New York City. <laughs> and against who would that be? Would that be the people's champion? No, I think it's against Nick Diaz. <laughs> I think we get that Diaz, Diaz, main event, co-main event. Ooh, how great would that be? Ooh, ooh, how, that would how, be really, that would oh, be really cool. Because one man would uh, lie. You puckered up the old butthole. Oh, that, man. Nice. My, that a couple weeks ago, guys, I asked uh, D, I asked Mike here if, you, if if I flew to New York, he wanted to go to UFC Madison Square Garden. Mike, being the responsible adults, like I can't spend money like that. Let me tell you, if it's Nick Diaz and Nate Diaz, we're we're gonna have good seats, all right? Not gonna, just seats. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna either cry for two reasons. I'm gonna cry because I did the responsible thing and didn't book those tickets, mm. and I'm gonna be sad. Or I'm gonna book those tickets. And be sad because, wow, that's going to be so weird. Mike, I would just buy the tickets and I would just send you the Venmo thing and you would just like sigh and be like, oh, fuck, fine. <laughs> and that would be the you end of it. Ignore it. Huh? <laughs> you ain't ignoring shit, man. The Venmo request and just keep telling you, yeah, yeah, I got you, Bob. Oh, no. I got you. That's never happening. Uh, um, to be fair, I, I, the Diaz fight, that is much better. But him and Covington, I th- I'm interested in that fight. I mean, I he, think- sa- he saved our ass, man. They they almost punted that fight by having this fight I, happen. I think I think Tyron Woodley should follow Ari Gold's school of advice here, okay? Much like he once told Vince, you do one for the studio, you do one for yourself. In this case, Tyron Woodley did one for the UFC, fought Darren Hill, the monster. Now he's got to do one for himself. Fight Nick Diaz, who hasn't fought in like. Okay, I'm, I'm pulling this Nick Diaz thing out of my ass entirely. Quite frankly, if 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 they give Tyron Woodley New- Madison Square Garden again with Nate Diaz on the co-main, which really means Nate's gonna sell a lot of fucking tickets, if we're being honest, and selling pay-per-views, and he's and they gave him a guy who I would be surprised if any of us picked Colby Covington, especially given the man's propensity to run face first into punches against a man who's a who hits harder than him and is infinitely faster than him and. The smarter fighter in him, I would I as he put it when they asked him about it at the post fight press conferences, a press conference. Woodley said, "Man, you guys really want to see a man get his ass beat." Um, I would I think he takes it, and I just think he holds them up for as much money as humanly possible. But didn't Covington say he wouldn't be able to fight until December? Well, I mean, Covington or, was- Covington already called him out in the middle of saying a bunch of other racist shit today, so he wants to fight on that card. Hmm. Covington's not entirely a dumbass. He wants to get paid as well. So, all I'm saying is, I think they could sell that fight. Oh I shit! Yeah, you have a <clears throat> a real contrast uh, contrast in personalities there. Where Covington is extremely abrasive, he's really in your face, and Tyrone's just like the cool, collected guy. And I think as they promote that fight, Covington does all the shit talking, and Woodley's just the cool, collected guy. And I think that's an interesting contrast. And I think with this fight, as we saw the crowd kind of get behind Tyrone. As they haven't really been, maybe in the Maya fight, they kind of got behind him. But against Thompson, I think a lot of people were pulling for Thompson. I think the general consensus around Woodley now is that he's a legit champion that has to be respected. And I think people are slowly growing to like this guy more because, like he, like Steph mentioned in the countdown, he's putting himself out there a lot more. He's on a lot more of the Fox Sports broadcast. 
He's crossed over into the TMZ stuff. So I think there's a lot more eyes that he has on him than he had previously that are going to be around him. And I think you have the contrast of this Covington. People just love to hate him. He's a classic villain. You have a good, I think you have a good, good guy versus bad guy scenario here. Here, And I think if they give, you know, they push this card, which I think they will because they want to, you know, make the, the max amount of money they can with uh, Nate on the card. I, I really think it could be a big event without two Diaz's. I think you have two Diaz's. That blows it up, but also the UFC has to pay a lot more. I mean, imagine how much they have to pay Nate alone to get him to fight Dustin. Nick's another hefty, hefty paycheck. Yeah, and I just, Nick was on Instagram talking about the fights and how much of a bullshit title fight it was, and Nick doesn't do anything for no reason, despite coming off as kind of dumb, but these guys all have a plan, and he wants... The same way, I not think it'd Nick. Be awesome. I think I mean, the that's same. Top. That's, that's top what he wants. Let's be clear. That, I think that's what Nick wants, to be honest. If to come back, and I don't know, it's not like I mean, look, if the UFC had their druthers, they could convince George St. Pierre to take that fight in New York. That's uh, what they would. That's do. good too. I like Woodley is in a good position where I think he has a couple huge paydays with Diaz and GSP if they can make it happen. But even if they have to revert to or resort to um, Covington, I think they're still in a good spot where I think that, I think that could do decent pay-per-view numbers. If they put a little marketing behind it, get a stupid mic in front of this idiot, let him spout off some bullshit and get some headlines and see where it goes. Mike, you're breathing into the microphone a little bit, buddy, back up. Um, Stefan, Mr. Darren Till, um, I immediately said, let's get him back up to 185, and let's just do this thing now at 185. Luke Thomas was making the point that he made 169. He looked okay from what we can tell. And him ha- him being as big as he is over some of these guys, like Woodley had a hard time getting him down um, without knocking his head off. Maybe he sticks around as long as he can at 170. What what, what do you want to see from him? Um, I could really go either way. Um, you know, middleweight, some of the path is clearing for him. Um, Yoel might have to go up. Luke Rockhold might have to go up. Weidman is very, he, he's older than we think he is, you know? Um, so kind of the, 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 the crop of the new wave, you know, if he went up, he'd be kind of following a very, uh, similar path to the champ, you know, is like, okay, he made weight, but he's actually a little bit better is he didn't look bad. Like Mark said, but he did look smaller. Um, when you saw him like at their initial stare downs, you see how potentially big he can be. Uh, he, has got great range, you know, maybe there aren't quite welterweight has always been the shark tank of wrestlers. You know, that's always just the best wrestlers tend to be welterweights. Um, and the wrestling isn't quite as high caliber at middleweight. Look at the champ is a sprawl type guy himself. And if he really believes he's the best pure standup fighter, um, you know, it's kind of a clear path for him, you know, as long as Woodley is still there. You know, like if we presume Woodley has a good chance to beat whoever his next opponent is, I, I think he'd be pretty favored um, after ending up the slight underdog here. So, like, I mean, yeah, he can make a run, but there's a clear deterrent that stands in front of him. Is um, even though I picked him as much as I like him, it wasn't close. He can get momentum back in title shot much faster up at middleweight. I think um, just like I said, the the, the path is kind of clearing itself for another contender to rise. So um, we'll see. All right, let's talk about some other fights here. Um, Mike, did you see what, and I've been for years, I'm going to say this right now. I've been thinking Cyborg was Brazilian, Vander, was a female Vanderlei Silva. Nope. Um, Mike, did you see Jessica Andrade 
unfucking load the hardest goddamn punch anybody's ever seen at this weight class on Karolina Kowalkiewicz? I was awake long enough to actually see that punch. Um, Holy shit, man. Kowalkiewicz and all her, her family. Yo, that was, I mean, you talk about cementing your status as the number one contender because she was already number one contender to begin with to face Rose. That's next. I, I, was that the only punch she landed in the fight? Did no, I read she, that correctly? No, 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 no. She was, this was like the third flurry she'd gone. She went full Vanderlei Silva on Carolina a few times. Carolina's got a pretty, she's pretty tough. But then eventually she just got knocked into next Tuesday. All right, because I was half asleep during the fight. And the thing that woke me up was seeing uh, Cole Kavitz's head just kind of just, just snap. From, yeah. Uh, from, from that. No, punch. honestly, like we were, we were kind of worrying. We're like, oh, is it did Andrade blow her wad? Nope. Um, this girl's got. She's Look, she's man. she's this so girl, strong. This girl has been a problem since she found some way to shed twenty pounds and moved down from one thirty-five to one fifteen. We knew it was a problem when in her first fight at one fifteen when she fought Jessica Penne. I mean, Jessica Penne is a very solid strawweight, and she was overpowered. It was solidified when she fought the, at the time, number one contender from right, Claudia Gadelia, last year, around this time, and ragdolled poor, poor, poor Claudia. I mean, this girl's on, this girl's coming. Um, and there's a new girl that I got to say, keep her away from my girl Rose, and that's Jessica. There might be more I, I than one just, of those people, man. <laughs> I would say one of the things that really impressed me with this, like, yeah, we're we know Jessica is a aggressive fighter, but the intensity was racketed up to twelve on this time because, yeah, she pushes fights, she pushes the pace, you know, she does damage. She went out for fucking blood, and when you make that comparison to Vanderlei, that that's not even just you, you can't even say that nowadays because it's been too far removed. That's old school Vanderlei. That's old pride Vanderlei. That that's Vanderlei going after Sakuraba knocking him out in the first couple of minutes. There's a very different kind of animal you're dealing with and the veracity that she came after Coralina in this fight. That And, and, and part of me, and we're going to talk about uh, Suarez later, I don't know if she was looking in the back and hearing some of the commentary and, and hearing the kind of fervor around uh, Tatiana Suarez about how this is the new girl to beat. And she's like, no, 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 no. No one's passing me up because I think in the boot they were kind of talking about that. I know... Us in the room, we're kind of mm -hmm. talking about Suarez is kind of the hot shit right now. And Jessica was not having that shit. She went out there and blew away a really tough contender in Carolina. And really, for me, it, was, it wasn't it was just the aggression. We've seen her be aggressive. It was just the fervor, the, the, the berserker rage she went into. And like we mentioned, picking spots, too, because she went out there full guns blasting. And when she didn't get her out with the first rush, she took a second. She recalculated. It gave Carolina a little time to establish a jab and try to get back in the fight. But as we were thinking, Jessica might be getting tired, needs to pace herself, would explode again. And that's really – these are the type of fighters that I like, that when they do their explosion, when they really put a lot of energy and effort into a certain maneuver or a flurry, they're looking to end the fight. You know, that's what Boss used to say. is like, if I'm doing a long fight, what I want to do is I want to rest. I want to, you know, pace myself. But when I explode – I'm not looking to win the round. I'm looking to fucking kill the person, you know? And that's what I like what I saw in Jessica is this was a girl who was after it. And that kind of aggression just outside of I want to be aggressive and push the pace so she can't do what she wants to do. Like, I want to push the pace because I'm going to fucking knock her out. And that's what we saw. And that was the most impressive performance I've ever seen of Jessica. So it, big, 
big feather in the cap. Yeah, big ups to her right there. That was oof. If I have one gripe over Jessica, and I think this is something that's very common with a lot of Brazilian fighters. Look, listen, I understand you don't have to learn the language, but I, I said this too. After the fight, how about you do not talk for like three minutes straight of Portuguese, and then you're gonna leave it to that poor translator to try to translate all that? He's not gonna get all that shit. Come on. Give it to us in segments so that the translator can get all of it. I think she, okay, I think they should all, and look, everybody's from wherever they're from. I speak multiple languages. Most people on this podcast speak multiple languages. This is an American company you work for, and they want title fights on pay-per-view, and they need to sell pay-per-view com- pay-per-views with fucking commercials. And it'd be nice if they have a clip of you saying, I want that belt. Yeah, I mean, really, because it really- wouldn't hurt. As just someone saying. who I am, I am really bad at learning languages. I, I mean, you guys are listening to this podcast. I'm in stumbling over English. I've been speaking this my whole life. But really, it's just like all you got to learn is one sentence. Dana White, I want that belt. You know, you don't have to understand what you're fucking saying. Just practice that, and you yell that out, and then you got the soundbite that Bobby wants. But you know, I can't okay. Really- I mean, look, I'm trying to like, oh, look, I'm not trying to be a dick, but it doesn't hurt. All right, they're trying to promote helps. you. It just helps. It's just another thing that helps. Um, I, I don't even think Lyoto speaks that great English. No, Lyoto's you know Eng- oh, wait, Lyoto's English is good now. Lyoto was terrible but at first. Do you remember <laughs> when he got the title? And I remember the one clip that they played all the time before he fought Shogun was the clip with his broken English. The dragon is the champion. I, it's yeah, man. They just want shit to. If you can yell, they'll put it in the commercial. All right, yell something. Um. Fuck, even Anderson learned enough to say I'm back. All right. Um, Zabit and Brandon Davis. And I want to talk about Zabit and Brandon Davis and Aljamain and Cody Stammen at one, Stefan, because I had never seen this shit happen before um, where we got two knee bars off guys being on guys' backs. And that should happen twice in one card. Uh, one of them was far more unfortunate for the other one because it looked like Brandon's, Brandon uh, Cody Stammen's knee got tore up. But Steph, a hell of a night for just a submission I know I had never seen before. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I guess it only happened one other time. Kenny Robertson or something like that. Okay, <laughs> I guess this is it was one. It had been one other time, and now we have three total, two in the same night. Um, hell of fights. Al Aljo needs it. Um, it, even watching that fight up until that point, um, one of my constant criticisms of Aljo as a fight is he he's very B minus across the board. I'm not sure if he really is trying to win with his striking. I'm not really sure if he's trying to win with his grappling. It was a slick-ass submission, though, you know? So if he can get more finishes, that'll, I think that'll re kind of reestablish his hype train. Uh, meanwhile, on the other end, Zabit was a massive, massive favorite. Um, and I was reading people call, like, you know, step aside, Anthony Pettis. This is the most creative man in the octagon. Um, and- he uses the cage a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, it's like the first one to do it, and nothing will ever take away that um, fucking video game cage kick that uh, Pettis had. But Zabit is a guy who goes out there with flair. He he attempted a weird cartwheel kick that just kind of slapped the back of the uh, dude's head. Um, but uh, props to Brandon Davis because he came in as a late notice, and he, for a round, anyways, he put up a fight. You know, he kind of he knew where he stood. He kind of playfully looked at Joe and he's like, you know, how'd I do like um, in between rounds? But the, the guy had heart. He, he was tough and he, he put up a solid fight. Um, like uh, we had talked about this card, you know, there's a lot of one sided things. Maybe maybe the end, maybe that one sidedness was justified. But 
it just felt like a lot of fighters weren't getting credit. This one, you knew Zabit was going to, um, he was going to lose, but uh, Brandon Davis came in as a game fighter. Zabit, crazy as hell. Um, I don't, I don't know where he goes from here. It'd be nice to see him against like a power grappler. Of he asked kind. for, he asked for Chad Mendez, but I don't know if Chad, I mean, Chad, Chad's not scared of anything. I'm not suggesting that, but Chad's ranked five. Zabit was ranked 15. That'd be a good fight though. I'm in for that. I mean, it would be. It's uh, a lot for Chad Mendes to lose right there. There's a, uh, but it's a great name, and that fits the category I want. I want someone who could threaten the takedown with Zabit because he is a stand-up fighter. He does go for crazy shit, and kind of Pettis saw the downside to doing all your tricky kicks can be someone can close the distance, get the clinch on you, take you down. But Zabit, he showed some like wonky trips and things. So um, I think he's a far more competent grappler at this stage of his career than Pettis probably was. But, um, yeah, he's an interesting-as-hell prospect. He kind of looks like Abe Lincoln, in my opinion. Um, he's a real funky-looking dude, but he, he's fun to watch. Um, yeah, Aljo wants a Dominic Cruz, which I would... I don't like that fight for him at all, personally, Mike. I think he gets... I don't know how he finds Dominic Cruz. Let's put it that way. Uh, Dominic Cruz... Um... If it's not for a title, he's not trying to come back for that shit. I mean, okay, that's all fine and good, but he should fight somebody. I mean, I'm skeptical of Dominic Cruz, period. Um, Cody looked great against him, but the signs of Dominic slowing down after repeated foot and knee injuries was clearly there. Um, Whoever he comes back against, it will be interesting to see if that was, you know, Starting to be the telltale signs of like the drop off of his career. Fair enough. Um, okay, um, we're not going to talk about Dodson's fight because it's a waste of our time. Not that it was terrible. I don't think it was as bad as the crowd was giving it. It was just nothing happened really. It was just a standard fight where one guy was engaging and the other guy wasn't. Nice to see Jimmy Rivera get back on track. I need John. Do- Jimmy. John Dodson should fight at one twenty five because I feel he has to try more. That's it. And there's you know that champion is not there anymore. He might get a title shot. Um, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan and Nico Price. Um, these dudes just stood in front of each other and started swinging. Um, and Nico Price got knocked out like three times before he hit the ground. That was... Woo, that's how you start on a fucking pay-per-view, man. Um, you got to pay attention to this Al-Hassan guy. Um, talking about the renaissance of African MMA between him and Nganu. Um and Kamaru Usman. Uh, there's a few other guys. Um, Andrew. Andrew Sanya. Good point, Mike. Another one there. So, I want to go a guys- little further. I think uh, John Jones comes from Nigerian background. Okay, that's not helpful. Um, but yeah, a bunch of people that Colby Covington probably has a problem with. Abdullah Razagal Hassan, though, man, unloaded on Nico Price. Steph, that was just mean. <laughs> um, yeah, nuclear fists. He. He fought angry, and uh, he it, it reminded me of the old uh, EA Fight Night games where you rock them, and then as they fall down, you can try to get a couple extra punches in because uh, he knocked him out with, I think it was a left club to the temple, and then he got another right and left hook in there before the guy even fell to the ground. Um, yeah, exciting as hell. Yeah. Um... He needs a nickname, though. Um, that, that name doesn't roll off the tongue, nor does it come to easy come to mind. He needs a nice, short nickname. He needs something all his about Bobby Nichols. Wikipedia says his nickname is Judo Thunder, which I feel we should have been saying that a lot more. 
Judo Thunder. All right. <laughs> I mean, that's not even appropriate. Right now, he's his lasting impression is the punching guy. So calling him Judo Thunder is a weird misdirect. He, like I said, someone needs to come up with a sharp, catchy nickname for this guy. Um. Exactly. Uh. All right. Tatiana Suarez. I feel um. This kind of went down the way the odds makers said it would. And while I was confident she was going to win, Marcus, that was 14 and a half minutes of a fucking slaughter. And a lot, it went longer than that, probably because Carlos Suarez made a fucking, like, the toughest shit on earth. But she was not in this fight for, I would say, like, of those 14 and a half minutes, she was in it for about nine seconds. Yeah, once, once Tatiana got that first takedown, I was like, eh, it's a wrap. <laughs> we all kind of knew Carla had a really great right straight in her last fight that almost got her a win over Claudia. Um, Tatiana had that scouted. You know, right as she let that one go, she shot in, um, got in a clinch, and got to take her down. And, and Carla Esparza is a very good wrestler, um, but not someone who's great off their back. And to give Carla credit, like Bobby said, super tough and active on the bottom. She constantly was trying to go for arm bars. I mean, Tatiana just wasn't having it. And what obviously impressed me the most, and I think impressed most of the fans, was just the um, the quality of the ground and pound she was putting on Carla. The elbows that she started off with, not only did they busted Carla up so bad, she had so many hematomas on her face. Um, it's just, it was really interesting to see someone of her caliber be able to do, like what Bobby was mentioning, we were watching it, kind of have it a Tito Ortiz-esque kind of fight where she's just happy to sit in the guard and blast away with elbows and Carla would try to shoot an armbar here and there, and that would just lead to a little bit of a scramble where Tatiana would escape the armbar, get to side, get to half mount, a couple times get mount. Um, but like we said, Carla was active on the bottom, constantly defending. And even in that third, I mean, and like Bobby said, it was constant 10-8, you know. I, I'd be hesitant to give her a 10-7 just because there wasn't a lot of moments where it was like, oh, they can stop it right now until the very end where uh, Tatiana kind of laid it on a little bit heavier and finally got that finish, but... It was completely dominant, and what a performance that, you know, I think she really needed um, because kind of like we were talking about last week, me, Bobby, and Steph were familiar with Tatiana. We knew that this was going to be a really tough out for Carla. The skill sets just weren't in her favor, um, but Mike, you know, Mike wasn't super familiar with her, and right leading up to the fight, Mike told us he saw a couple fights. He wanted to switch his pick because this is someone that had a lot of momentum running with her, and I think um, the performance that she put on Saturday night uh, superseded my expectations of where she would be at at this point. And like we were talking about earlier with the Just Jessica Andrade fight, um, Tatiana Suarez really put her name in, in the conversation right now. And I think she's one away. I think she still needs to get one more credible win, someone else in the top 10 to really solidify her as as the next contender. And I think Jessica is ahead of, ahead of her with the awesome performance that she put on the same night. But Suarez is in that conversation. And if you think that this girl's not going to potentially be wearing a belt within a year's time, you might be insane. I Yeah, I came in with, I mean, on the hype train, fucking excited to see it go her do her thing. And for all the Carla's come back from, she got, that was the grapple. I mean, that was the ground upon equivalent of what Joanna did to her, right? I mean, that's what that was. Yeah. We saw that shit happen, except it took longer. It was, and, um, Tatiana Suarez is so marketable. Her whole story, she's well. UFC fucking this up somehow will be impressive. Um, but yeah, I think that's a future champion right there. Uh, we turned on the TV. Me and me, I got the Stefan's house, and Jeff Neal kicked Frank Camacho right in the fucking dome, bleeding all over the place. So, um, 
I that's all I took out of that fight, right? I mean, Steph, we were still talking at that point. That's all I remember happening. <laughs> I might have gone to walk my dog. I I, I don't remember it because I remember commenting on the amount of blood on the mat. <laughs> like, where'd this come from? And you're like, it's the fight that just happened. Yeah, so I, I, mean, I, I zoned out in that period of time. Sorry. Uh, Diego Sanchez got a win after the dude kissed him on the face during the weigh-ins. And Stefan, you made the point. Yeah, fighters. I mean, okay, you can argue the uh, the Heath Herring one, but I was saying fighters who kiss their opponent pre-match are like zero and three. Um, like who's that? Like I, you got? I was. Oh, that's what I was saying. Sorry, yo, you got to do like Yo Romero, where you kiss him after the match. That's yeah. when you get your kiss in. Yeah, yeah you make it nice and awkward because you won. Yeah, that was whew, still awkward. So are we are we counting the Anderson Silva, uh, Chris Weidman as Anderson tried to kiss Weidman then? That was just real uncomfortable. The face-to-face way in there. Uh, I said, you don't kiss your opponent before. You kiss him after. All right. And uh, Jim Miller came back from Lyme disease to get a win. Jim Miller has had 30 UFC fights. Which is you know, you know you actually don't come back from Lyme disease. You always have Lyme disease. Well, he recovered enough to be able to whoop a dude's ass. Thirty UFC fights. That is so many fights. Um, fucking, you set your watch to this man fighting. Um, when he he didn't know he had Lyme disease, he fought three fights a year when he had Lyme disease and he couldn't really train. So that's Jim well, Miller for you. Also, a very prevalent disease here in the the Northeast because of uh, mosquitoes in the summer. Yep. We're basically past mosquito season now, but for all of you uh, in the Northeast, save this podcast for this time next year in June. Watch out for Lyme disease and mosquitoes. Do you think we gave good advice here, though? I mean, we just kind of recognized the existence. Well, be on the lookout. So I'm just trying to tell people. That's fair enough. Mike's got here giving tips, guys. This is tips to keep you guys alive. We're concerned. Irene Aldana. Did what Irene Aldana does and got in a goddamn scrap, huh, Mike? <laughs> Mike? Sorry, you kind of cut out on me. What was that? Uh, Irene Aldana went out there and got in a fucking scrap. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, if I'm right, this was the uh, second fight of the whole card. And it was entertaining from from bell to bell. It was a, it was a great scrap. Um, I think I texted you guys right after the fight was over that. I thought we saw the, well, at least I saw the fight of the night right then and there, and sure enough, that's what it was. Yeah, um, and uh, I think unfortunately she was one of the ones left without a bonus because uh, a lot of you know she did get a bonus actually. Stuff, and I was actually about to bring that up. They got fight of the night, and then Woodley and Andrade got performance bonuses, but we got two of those crazy ass knee bars, no bonuses, and we got Al Hassan unload on Nico Price's face, no bonus. You know, Tatiana Suarez, no bonus. And we know that the practice of them just giving bonuses in addition to these no longer exists. Um, so a bunch of people got dicked out of some money, man. <laughs> because they all deserved it. It was it was an excellent, excellent UFC card. They if the worst fight in the main card is gonna be something like Jimmy Rivera and John Dotson, you saw a good show. All right. You saw a good show. Um, all right, Nico Monta Nico Montagna. I said her name right that time, I think. Um, went out there, Valentina talked shit all week that this girl wasn't going to make it to the fight. And then we wake up Friday morning and Nico Montagna has been to the hospital because she had a fucked up weight cut because she showed up 23 pounds overweight, I think was what it was said. 
um, on Tuesday, which is 15 pounds over, I think. No, she came out 15 pounds over. Yeah. Uh, 15% over her body weight. I'm sorry. Uh, UFC likes you to be around 8%. Um, Miss Montoya kind of missed there. She was suffering some sort of kidney failure, apparently. Had to go to the hospital. And um, in a move that I don't think was terribly surprising, they took the belt off of her. Um, people are trying to debate whether or not she got screwed. I'm try- I'm wondering if me not caring that she got stripped of the title is because I fundamentally believe if you don't make weight, you really don't have anything to complain about. Or because of all that took for it actually maybe i don't know i'm trying to figure out why i don't care that she got stripped of her title steph i'm gonna start with you because i know you're uh you followed montagna more than any of us um i think you believe you said it kind of made sense to you or am i mistaken that they locked well, it, it definitely off? made sense to me i mean she made the point herself she released a statement which i read earlier um you know she said other champions have missed weight and weren't punished like this um i think they should have lost their belt too to be honest i thought uh, I thought when uh, I would have wanted, uh, what's I'm sorry, um, Nunez to be stripped when her fight got canceled with uh, Valentina that one time because she got hospitalized. You, when the contender doesn't make weight, they, you know, they, it's a non-title shot for them. When the champion doesn't, it's still on them. I think they that's a, basically a non-defense of the title. I'm all for it. You know, things happen. Uh, Montano, her kind of background for why she thinks she missed weight and, you know, take it or leave it. You know, some people will choose to believe her. Some people will choose to say she's making excuses. So take it or leave it. But she said she, she was wanting an October fight. Uh, She thought that's when she could be physically ready from her series of ailments. That would give her a proper training camp. And per her story, she was given two September dates and chose told to accept them or be stripped anyways. So, Basically, she's arguing that she didn't have the appropriate amount of time to get ready for this fight. You know, you could be skeptical of that. One thing she did point out in her statement, which I agree with, is Valentina is putting some spin on it, saying this is the third time. This was the first time they were ever contracted to fight. So Valentina saying this is the third time Nico has dodged her. That's a lot of spin. Um, yeah. why, don't, why don't you care, Bob? It's for the same reason I think most people don't care, is everyone believes Valentina is the rightful champion, and most people don't know who Nico is still. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably part of that. I mean, also, you said it, man. I, I, I bring it up all the time. Mark said this to me a long time ago, Mark, and I stick with this because it made, it it made sense to me. When you agree to a fight, you're only agreeing to two things. You agree you're going to fight on this day, and you agree you're going to weigh this much the night before, the day before. You're not agreeing to train. You're not agreeing to do anything else. You're going to be there. You're going to weigh this much. She didn't do it. So, kind of is what it is. Um, I think the likely scenario is Valentina fighting Joanna. And I think that is the backup plan if Tyron Woodley asked for too much money. That's what I think is going to happen. Anybody, I'm going to go with you first, Mike. Do you have a problem with if Joanna got a title shot her first fight in the weight class? Or do you even give the slightest shit? Uh, I would have a problem with it because not because I don't think she's deserving of it. She's a very deserving uh, champion from her time at 115. But man, you got to work up to that, that man. It can't just start with Joanna. All right. Let Valentina get it. Let her get like you know the no, little title Valen- defense or two. You, you, think Valen- you, you think Valentina just gets the championship right now? 
She gotta fight nah, somebody. Nah, nah, nah. Like, like she fight somebody. But don't let it be Joanna. Let that be the second fight. I mean, I, th- I mean, that's a, a fair logical argument. But if you want this to be the main event of UFC in Madison Square Garden in two in a in a, in two months, do you want to see Jessica I versus Valentina Shevchenko, or do you want to see Joanna and Jacek versus Valentina Shevchenko? Mm. Well, if we're talking about that, we need it for a quick replacement fight or mm. you know something of that nature then yeah i mean do what the ufc's done for the last year and a half and be very short-sighted it'd be a great strategy i mean you're gonna have to pay for that pay-per-view we're gonna have to pay for that pay-per-view i'm just saying i'm paying for nate diaz either way but i'm what's just saying this, what's this we i mean you're gonna pay for it and i'll venmo you the money at some later date that well, uh, wait wait I'm, I'm not necessarily flying to new york to watch valentina shevchenko versus jessica i let me just put that out there right now that might be beyond the pale for me at that point okay um marcus what do you think they i mean what do, what do you think about her getting stripped of the title first and second what do you think they do with this belt um i, I kind of thought like what stefan said um not a whole lot of uproar because New division, I think a lot of people aren't even fully aware that there is a 125 division right now. Um, And I think that's why there wasn't a lot of hubbub about her getting stripped. Um, It was a little rough, but not unwarranted, right? She didn't make the weight. You have to defend your title. Um, I think if it was a different champion that had been more well-established, they might have just pushed the fight to another date. But, you know, we are where we are. Um, With the Joanna coming in to take that fight, I think because the division is so new, because at least right now, I'm not aware of another front runner who's more deserving of that title shot. I think you can slot Joanna in in this particular circumstance just because it's a brand new division. A lot of the cards haven't gotten shaken down. If there was someone in the wings that was like, yo, I've had three fights in this division, two of them against you know top 10 girls. I deserve that title, sh- that title fight. Then I think you have a different scenario. I don't know if there is someone like that in this weight class because it's so new. So I think you can take someone that is even... I mean, has Joanna, she won her last fight, right? She was yeah, on two fight be- with Rose, and then she did correct the ship. So I think, yeah, you, you can slot her in here and, and, and be fairly comfortable. And mostly, um, it's a big name. They need to get people interested in this division, and having someone that the fans are familiar with, I, I think, does that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way they go. Yeah, she's won one fight, and she wanted to be for an interim belt somehow. You want to, you want to, need to stop talking. All right, this has been a very long analysis of a fight card and the things that came out of it. So, you know what? I'm just going to jettison the conversation about MMA history because while I would happily like to talk to you guys about how Krokop was the man in 2006, you guys probably know that because, fuck, man, you're listening to our podcast. So, Joe Krokop won the uh, Pride Grand Prix in 2006. And Marcus, in was it in one night he beat Josh Barnett and Vanderlei? Yeah, was that in brutal fashion? I mean, he yeah, he Vanderlei and he demolished Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett is like the dude that he can always beat. Like mm-hmm. on his worst night, he just has Barnett's number because they fought three times. He won them all. Yeah, it, fuck it, with it. Fucking hurts me. I want that dude to be able to fucking Americana Crow Cop. He just cannot get it done. Um. Yeah, and fuck it. I might as well say what else we were going to talk about. <laughs> Um, Quentin Jackson became the first ever unified champion 11 years ago. And by unified, I mean the man beat the pride light heavyweight champion, Dan Henderson, while he was the UFC light heavyweight champion. And another reminder that man, Quentin used to be real good. It was just 11 years ago. And Mike, 10 years ago, Rashad Evans, let us all know that Chuck Liddell probably shouldn't fight no more. Yes, he, uh, he, uh, what? 
I muted. Oh, no, I'm not. Uh, he uncorked a, a savage right fist right on uh, Chuck's uh, poor chin. Likely started the, the downfall of the former granite, granite-headed Chuck Liddell into the, uh, the man he is today. And uh, that fight was the beginning of Rashad thinking he was a striker. Um, that thought in his head was confirmed in his next fight when he uh, he took Forrest Griffin to task and won the title. And then all that shit came crumbling down when Lyoto Machida put the stanky leg on him. Yep. All right, Mark, you got a 20 questions for us? I do. I do. All right, let's get into that. Um, I'm going to go first question. Is it a male fighter? That is a great question because this week it is not a male fighter. All oh right. Oh my god. <laughs> oh Jesus, this might be we might actually pull this one off, guys. All right. <laughs> I mean, pull one off. You got you got it right every time so far. Except the time hey, I blew it myself. For for once we won't have to ask if they're a heavyweight. Fair. Oh, okay. oh, they might be they are heavyweight women. <laughs> I was gonna say, unless it's Gabby Garcia or uh, George Lucas's daughter, we don't have a lot of other options. Um you have someone wanna ask a question? Are they active? Uh yes. That doesn't. I feel that only narrowed it. That only got rid of Gina Carano, Stefan, and Ronda. That's really it. Um, was this person a champion Wait, in I a major organization? Well, hold, right. hold on. Don't answer that one. Don't answer that one. Okay. Oh, all right. It's uh, gonna get asked anyways. Why not? Ask? Why not? Why not? <laughs> because maybe, maybe the thing I ask would change what you think. All right. All right. We're we're punting the question. Go ahead, Mike. Though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are they currently an Invicta FC fighter? Yes, they are. Oh fuck! <laughs> right. You're welcome. Okay, let me ask my question. Was this person ever a Strike Force Women's Champion? Yes, they were. Stefan, in my head right now, it's Sarah Kaufman. We'll go ahead. <laughs> Sarah Kaufman. Um, is that where she is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Wait, hold on, guys. I think. Are there any other strike former strike force champions that are women in in, in Invicta? Who else was that? Misha's not fighting. Is Marlos no. was Marlos Kunin? Did she have a belt? I think, Mar uh, I think Marlos think, Kunin's with Bellator. I think Marlos Kunin beat Misha for the belt, though. I think you're right. I think Kaufman took it off of Kunin. Let's just ask the question. Let's just ask the question about whether is this girl European got <laughs> or Canadian. Is that <laughs> what we're going with? I was gonna say, is this girl ever get armbarred by Ronda Rousey? Which is gonna be my question. <laughs> All right, ask it, Mike. Stefan, it's your turn. Are they Canadian? <laughs> yes. All right. Is, I ahead. believe it is Sarah Plain and Tall, Miss Sarah Kaufman. You got it in six. Yeah, Sarah Kaufman, one of the great pioneers of this sport, and probably deserves to be in the UFC. Uh, she is she the champion in Victor Mike? She just yeah. got the belt. This is at 35, right? Uh, yeah. Good for yep. her. She, got yeah. she, also, she also has an adorable dog whose name I forgot, but she is in that great MMA fighting series, Mixed Martial Arts. How uh, how many questions was that? Was that like four questions? That was that six. Was, that's that our was best? could have got it on five if he went with his gut. I Honestly, I was like, the second we said Invicta, and I'm, I'm like, they were a strike force champion, I'm like, well, okay. That's 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 Sarah Kaufman. I'm not so. going to lie. Getting, figuring out it was a female fighter was the big trick on this one. So when he got in your first one, I was like, it's guess who all over again. Because yeah. I, I knew you guys would get asked the champion question. 
And then thought, it cuts it down to four. <laughs> I thought for sure when the first time Mark was gonna pick a female a female fighter, it was gonna be like some obscure lady. Not that doesn't exist. Her. I can't. That, go there aren't that many of them. I mean, what, what's the name of the lady who was? Uh, I, I thought he would have Fuji like Sarah Morales. I was gonna say uh, Mega Mega Magumi Fuji. Mega Magoo. No, see, I'm going on the basis that Mark is going to pick someone who's worth talking about. He's not just going to try to be tricky to trick us and the audience who will definitely not know who this fighter is. Yeah, okay. So I thought it was going to be Gina Carano the first time he spoke about a female uh, I'm waiting female for the player. day that Mark has a really bad day and he's like, I'm going to pick the most obscure mother effer I can think about. Well, yeah, the I could just pick some random Japanese guy that I barely know. That's the thing. Mark's got to know this person, too. And there's too many fights and too many fighters. Mark is losing this stuff from the past, okay? I thought Megumi Fuji was the only really old fighter that had a chance of getting picked. But I'm not sure how much Mark's got on that, Megumi Fuji. That, that, that would just be too tough. That's just like Bobby. Well, I mean, Bobby, I, I would have think you know about him. That's like it. Stefan knows her, too, right? She got screwed. And she, she was undefeated for a while. Then she got a bullshit loss against... um. George Gazelle's wife, right, yeah. George George Gazelle's ex ex wife. What was her name? Zawala. Yeah, something. something. Sort of yeah, real questionable, real questionable loss. Um, I think she trained with Josh Barnett too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, she no, a, she did. She was yeah, a catch girl. Did. Yeah. Well, honestly, we probably could have we could have could have taught you guys a lot about Magumi Fuji. <laughs> Sarah Kaufman, though, former champion in the U and Strike Force, got armbarred real quick by Ronda Rousey, um, but took that title off of um, it was Mar Marlos Kunin, right? Uh, I she no. got it, she got it taken from her. Mar okay, Marlo's she took it off of. Uh, I think she, she won it. I think it was vacated at the. She time. won it twice, didn't she? No, she only won it once. Okay, I just took off the page too. So. She she beat Takayo Hashi to be eleven and zero, and then she beat Roxanne Montefiore when she slammed her. I remember that yeah. Roxanne got power bombed. It was it was real rough, and then Kunin got her with the armbar. That's what happened. But yeah, she's. Yeah. She's twenty and four for the love of God. It's a my disappointing takeaway is that she is in Invicta and not the UFC. Do you see who she's lost to, Steph? Coonan, Rousey, Alexis Davis, which was uh, I mean, Alexis Davis. There's no shame in that either. Valentina Shevchenko. She lost a split to Shevchenko. Yeah, was, she absolutely Invicta should be a, a place for them to come up. Um, a, a seasoned veteran like Kaufman. I know she's not the most exciting personality. Or anything, but she absolutely deserves to be in the UFC. I don't know if she can make 125. Now that there's that extra division, they they yeah. need more like credible names. So um, I think it's a travesty that she's in Invicta currently. To be honest, yeah, it's, honestly, she's. I mean, it's getting close to like Tanya Evinger levels. Where Tanya Evinger was in Invicta for a good like four fights past where she needed to be too. Like there's these veterans that should be, and like, hey man, like at least at this point, getting the ex hardcore fans excited matters. Because you can go out there and have a pay-per-view or a show where nobody fucking watches. We're not that all diehard anymore. But you know what? Random MMA fighter versus, versus you putting Sarah Kaufman out there. I might watch instead. You know what I mean? Shit matters. Um, all right. There's a card this weekend. Uh, Mark Hunt's going to fight Alexi Olenek, um, which means he has to work watch out for one thing. Right, Mark? A big old punch. Oh, I mean, you mean from uh, Mark Hunt or from... Uh... From Alexi. Oh, yeah, the um, Ezekiel choke. And, and that's what makes it kind of interesting. Mark Hunt used to be such a easy pick for to get a submission off of, but he hasn't gotten submitted for a long time. I don't know if this guy's going to be able to do it or not, but it's an interesting contrast. And I think, you know, if you have Fight Pass, it's worth a watch. That fight alone. I don't it's, want to just watch that one. It's a big arena. 
They're doing it in a stadium that holds 35, I mean, the main arena holds 35,000 people, which I don't know if Alexei Olenek brings in the eyes like that, but. Do you see all how many Russian names are on this card, Bobby? I mean, everybody who's ever visited Russia is on this yeah. card, Stefan. So, I mean, Nikita Krylov is back. Nikita, the minor. I, I don't like the nickname, the minor. He's Al Capone, right? That was the nickname. It was a uh, way better, better. one. Yeah. Um, he's back from fighting in, uh, going 4-0 in fights in Russia. Uh, they shouldn't have let him go to begin with, quite frankly. He's young and good. Um, he's back to take on Jan Blokowicz. Um, he's also this. I mean, I feel Jan probably could have negotiated better than being shipped to Russia after winning three straight fights. Um, we also got Andre Arlovsky, which my understanding is the whole Belarus versus Russia thing doesn't necessarily mean Andre's going to get cheered here. Just want to point that out there. That was a whole subtext. I remember when he was fighting uh, Fedor. That was the whole thing, too. The whole uh, inner U.S., former USSR thing. Quite frankly, the other guy is from Dagestan, though. So you're going to figure out if people in Russia are going to root for a Muslim or a guy from Belarus. So. And then uh, Tiago Alves. Man, Stefan, they're sending Tiago Alves away to Russia. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> We're done here? You're shipping your ass to Siberia. We're done here, right? I mean, let's. I think I said to you, it's like, I don't know who the guy on the opposite end of Tiago Alves is, but I've got him. Um, I'm also seeing that he's 18 and 0 right now, so maybe he's a prospect, and you might as well, you know, use that Tiago Alves name value, get one more squeeze out of it uh, before it's gone for good. Man, Tiago Alves is still only 34. Which, guys, just to give you an idea, Tiago Alves fought in the UFC in 2005. Man was a baby when he showed up. Um, and let's also not forget, he fought for the title at UFC 100. Yeah, he was huge. Um, he was, he wasn't so much like using technique to get up from GSP's takedowns. He was just big trying to muscle his ass up. He was so big and powerful. He tore GSP's groin. GSP trying to hold him down. Got his groin turned. This guy, by the way, he was 18 and 0. Stefan is 34 years old. So, so he's one of these M1 guys who've just been hanging out, fighting, uh, cans out there this whole time. I mean, you guys think Stefan might be making a generalization, but his last five fights are in M1. So (laughs) it's what's happening here. Um, all right, let's do, um, let's do stuff we like, cause I think that's where we at in the show, quite frankly. Um, I watched an episode, I'm not sure I finished the episode, I might have gotten the episode two of Iron Fist, um, and while I do think it's better, this is what I realized with these Marvel shows, and I think you guys are all there with me at this point, you're probably already there, most of you have given up, I don't care what happens to any of these people anymore. There's that I don't give a shit, and that's not good. I like Jessica Jones. That's it. And even that second season wasn't great. I don't care what happens to these people. This these shows are background noise. And quite frankly, when you start talking about hands and who's the right fucking Iron Fist, I don't care. And the girl who's playing his old friend is not good in the show. I don't know the actress's name. Have you heard characters? Joy. I don't give a fuck what Joy's doing. Right in real life, her name is Jessica Strope. What CW show is she from, Mike? Nine on Toronto. Okay, that was <laughs> well done, buddy. Um, he played the guy- Silver, if I remember correctly. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah, man. I don't know. It wasn't bad though. If you're into these shows, it looked way. It's infinitely better than Iron Fist one already. Just because Iron Fist doesn't isn't pain- pissing me off, and I like the guy who plays Joy's brother. I enjoy him on the show. I enjoyed him first season too, quite frankly. 
I mean, I've heard like from like non-spoiler reviews. I've seen everyone agrees it's better than what it was, but like it, for me, it was just coming from such a low place that it, it's hard for me to get back on board. Most of Luke Cage was forgettable. It's like I, I'm kind of there with you. I was so hyped after the first season of Daredevil. I thought we were breaking new ground. And then we got some interesting stuff with Jessica Jones. Um, the Punisher arc of Daredevil season two, I thought was still really interesting. There were things I liked in the first season of Luke Cage, even though overall it was kind of meh, but it's kind of been that M. Night Shyamalan just steady downhill slide for a while now. Um, I'm hearing Iron Fist is better, but I just, I don't know if it can be solved. You, you know when like it's very clear these guys have an idea of how this show is going to go or how long these shows are going to go. And then, quite frankly, they didn't think it was going to go as far as it was. I mean, especially in this case, where everybody's impression, we know what everybody's expectation was. We're going to get one season of all these guys. And I'm not sure everybody was going to get a season at first, but we were going to get a few seasons. Then we're going to go right into the fucking Defenders. We're on season two of Luke Cage. Season three of Daredevil is going to come out. I'm not sure if we're going to get season three of um, Jessica Jones. I assume so. Uh, Punisher is going to get a second season. We're on Iron Fist. There, we're at the point where like maybe they didn't like think this was going to go this far, right, Marcus? <laughs> yeah, we, I, I personally... we know how how they left the uh, Luke Cage. There's going to be season three of that one. Uh, that was a weird ending. Mar- Marcus, go ahead. I, I mean, I mean, for me personally, I I dropped off after the Defenders because that was kind of like what you said. Like we had a road path to what everything was leading to, and the Defenders was it. And then when I saw it, not only did it, you know leave a bad taste in my mouth it wasn't you know the big big show i wanted it to be um and i just i I was just interested in the rest of the season i haven't watched another um marvel show since then and i feel like at this point what i would need to hear to come back is that one the episode count has to get smaller which i think they did with iron fist which is good at 10 episodes i think even cut that down to seven and i think what i would need to hear too is i want Instead of just having these one like Iron Fist, Luke Cage, I want a Heroes for Hire because that's one of my favorite comic book lines. And I think you can make a much better show with just each episode. They have a client come in. This is my problem. I need to have a superhero help me with, help me figure it out. Maybe there's a narrative arc that goes through that. But each episode is more self-contained. They do a little thing. And really, for me, I want to see the action more often, right? A lot of times when I'm watching these shows, there's way too many scenes where people are just standing around talking about the drama that's building or whatever. And look, it's a superhero show. I want to see people swinging around. I want to see fight scenes. I want to see them use their superpower to show me they're a superhero. And it seems like that happens less and less. And it makes sense with Luke Cage and Iron Fist because there's lots of special effects that have to go in with, you know, showing them and their super abilities. Like, you know, Daredevil doesn't need that. They just need a fight choreographer and do some fight scenes because that's really his power is that he's good at fighting and he he basically has these, um, you know, extra good senses. But, you know, when it comes to Iron Fist and Luke Cage, they have to have more special effects. They have to cut down on the budget with, you know, how many times they could, you know, spend money on special effects. But I just, I need that to get blown out. I need it to be more action packed. I want to be more like the movies, right? Um, I know they're trying to go a darker route. Um, it was interesting at first. It hasn't panned out for a lot of these seasons. I think if they took a more lighthearted season where it's just like, look at it's Luke Cage and Iron Fist, these kind of weird duo, and they're a weird buddy cop show now. I think that's that sells me personally because I like that series, but I don't, I don't really know what they do to get me back. I'm kind of interested in watching Iron Fist, um, but... You know, I don't know if I'll get there. I, I, I'm going to end up watching it. I know. I'm just going to put it on. I'll be folding laundry, and I'm just like... And it'll be like a lot of these shows where on episode four, and I'm just like, I don't remember why the fuck these guys are doing anything. 
I lost track of what all this hand shit somewhere in the middle of there of the defenders. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't give a shit to be really, it doesn't matter to me anymore. It really doesn't. Um, it's almost like I just like w- want them to bring in new people from comics so I can be like, hey, they did that thing. They brought in that person. And that's not really enough. That'd be cool too. Do a Moon Knight. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm imagining those of you who own Spider-Man need to start talking right now. I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man is fantastic. I say yeah, I figured me and Mark would probably talk about this simultaneously because uh, both playing it. Where are you in the game right now, Mark? Um, I'm I'm wrapping up what they're considering to be like the first arc. Um, so I don't really want to give spoilers away because there's a lot of interesting characters. But um, and I, I I guess this wouldn't be too much a spoil. Um, where I'm at right now, they're slowly introducing Miles. Um, he's been in a couple scenes at this point. Okay, so um. You remember then, I'll try to keep it as spoilery free as the uh, scene with MJ at the diner. Uh, yes. If you yes. remember, that yeah, is course. all I ever wanted the first yep. season of Daredevil to be and have. Yeah. And so, I loved uh, it. Amazing. I loved it. I loved it. It brought a big smile to my face and it was very fun and very cool. Um, what I just want to, you know, talk about Spider-Man as well. Um, for me personally, last week I talked about um, when the show went out, reviews were going to go out that day. The game honestly hasn't reviewed quite as well as I anticipated it. It's at an 87 on Metacritic. I thought this was an easy 90-plus game. Um, but, you know, you have to take Metacritic scores for what they are. It's a, you know, a collaboration of all this uh, the reviews there. For me personally, right now, and like me and Steph are talking about, I'm not super far into the game. This is my game of the year. I think I could say that God of War is probably a better constructed game. They do a lot more interesting things in God of War with their narrative, and, and mostly with them just having no cuts in that game, and it's one continuous shot is a really weird artistic thing to even try to accomplish in a game. They do it masterfully, but it just feels so fucking good to play Spider-Man. Like The visuals, New York looks so amazing. Re- regardless of the time of day that you're playing the game in, it just looks spectacular. And swinging around the city just feels insane it feels so good it's hard not to have a smile on your face when you first when they show you the first opening scene and they do the seamless cut to where you're watching a movie and and then you're like oh i'm i'm controlling spider-man now and you just start swinging for the first 10 seconds it's just like holy shit this looks and feels so amazing and as you progress i think the story so far has been really fun and There's honestly so much stuff in it for fans of spider-man there's a lot oh, of history yeah, and like, Easter eggs throughout this game. Um, one thing I want to chime in that I, that I really love about this game, I love that they drop you in to the middle of the Spider-Man oh, yeah. story. Yeah, no when more you, origin you, story. you jump in as Spider-Man, there's already an established history of villains and feats he's accomplished, where meanwhile you're also meeting villains who have yet to become those villains because what's the hallmark of every great Spider-Man villain is they're also somehow connected to him as Peter Parker. You know, there's that there's that full circle relationship. And so seeing like that, okay, this he's had this epic battle with this villain and they're at Rikers, they're on the raft in the supervillain prison. Meanwhile, you meet other characters and they're not that super villain alter ego quite yet, you know? So you're actually seeing the story unfold, whereas stories you're familiar with have already been told. A lot of things with superhero, you know, we've been these characters for decades we don't always need to start at the beginning um and i really appreciate that about this game yeah and i would say a lot of the negativity that's come you know kind of the things that people look at and be like oh this is you know kind of a weaker part of the game um for me hasn't been that bad and again you know as as i play more of the game maybe the their uh the grind and the repetition will wear on me a little bit more 
But yeah, a lot of the missions, a lot of the, the crime scenes that you do kind of play out over and over again. But honestly, for me at this point, it just feels so good to be Spider-Man and to swing around and to earn those little things. And there's so many things to earn throughout the game. And what kind of makes and what could potentially be a misstep with how they kind of dole that stuff out is that they dole out the little side activities kind of slowly. They you do one thing. It's like, oh, now here's all these things to collect. And then you do another mission. Oh, now here's all these other things to collect. So it's very easy when you first start the game to be like, oh, I just want to I just want to swing around and start doing these little things. But they keep adding on. So uh, a tip I, I heard early on and I kind of agree with is to not get too consumed with the collectibles right away. They're going to be adding more and more stuff and you're going to find yourself going around the city anyways. So I think if you if, if the game kind of dulled that stuff out a little more intelligently i think it would the grind would be a little bit less on people because i know steph you and me when i first talked to you was like yeah i played for four hours i did like three missions i probably did 30 minutes of like core main story stuff and two and a half hours of just swinging around collecting things and i feel like doing a lot of that stuff could contribute to feeling kind of the grind but it's just really fun you know i just really love this game a lot and while it didn't review as high as i as i anticipated I think your mileage on the game is kind of your own individual personality and how you kind of like these kind of open world games and how you may have liked Spider-Man games in the past. Um, it's just, it's it's clicking for me on every step. And I think a lot of it is just, I'm a huge Marvel Cinematic Universe fan now. I love that shit. And they sprinkle it on heavy in this game. I mean, that they basically play the Avengers theme like all the time. It's not exactly the same, but it's that epic orchestrated kind of billowing orchestra that they do so well and like steph mentioned the story's clicking with me i'm liking all the characters all the little easter eggs they give you sometimes i wish they did more one of the things you do in the game is you go to uh, iconic locations throughout uh, manhattan and take pictures and a lot of them are actual places but a lot of them are marvel centric um landmarks and what I wish they did is I wish he had a little quip about like, oh, here's Alias Investigations. I haven't seen Jessica Jones in a while. Or here's uh, the Murdoch gym where Matt Murdoch's dad used to train. I wish they had – he sprinkled in a little bit more like, yeah, these these people are around here. And while I haven't seen any cameos of big superheroes, I don't know if there are any. I oh, you, 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 want the, you want the Lego Marvel experience. Well, like, I mean, oh. not, not, not so heavy, but like – I'd lose my shit if he just ran across Luke Cage for a mission or Iron Fist or Daredevil or Punisher. You do that all the time night. in the Lego game. But the, but the thing is, what makes this game different than Lego games? No, I know it's it way better. Look like shit. It looks like the fucking shit I want a game to look like, not like a little Marvel head. And I mean, I think now they do voices, right? But a lot of Lego games for a long time didn't have voiceover. So there was oh, no. Animiming shit. And it's like, no, no, no. I want to see HD version of Luke Cage and Iron Fist being like, hey, Spidey. We got a heroes for hire mission. How about you tag along? That that stuff would be cool. And, and they just sprinkle those. I saw a little. There's a little thing with Black Cat here and there. And but a lot of it's around the. It's, it's a Spider-Man game, right? It's not a Marvel game. It's really about Spider-Man and the cast of characters that he has, which is a fantastic, you know, rogues gallery of villains and allies and stuff like that. And I've just been loving the game. I can't say too much uh, else about it. I've just really been appreciating it. And right now, you know. For me, there's two more big games coming out this year that are going to contend for my favorite. That's Red Dead and Smash. And, you know, Spider-Man's the game to beat. I think Red Dead could do it, but um, it just it's clicking for me really well. So I'm in, I'm in loving it. How far are we till uh, Red Dead? Uh, it's the end of October. And I know we're on Steph's, and we're kind of 
sharing this one. I did want to mention there's been a game that came out a couple weeks ago that I haven't mentioned that is really cool and really interesting that I wanted to throw out there. There's this indie game uh, that's on PS4, iOS. I don't know if it's out on Switch or not. Um, it's called Donut County, and it reminds me a lot of Katamari Damacy, where the whole game is kind of built around uh, manipulating the environment and where Katamari, you're rolling around a little ball that collects smaller items to make a bigger ball. In this game, you control a hole in the ground and you just kind of move that hole around to have things fall into it. Um, but it's all the dressing around that really fun premise that makes the game so fun. The music's fantastic. The story is really witty and fun. And uh, I guess that when I say the music's fantastic, it's all extremely good, and they have one song that's just the fucking dopest shit I ever heard. I it, Literally, after I played this game, I was like, I gotta buy this. Can I buy the soundtrack? Oh, I can buy the soundtrack. Where is that one fucking song? And I just play it over and over and over, because it is so fun. It's, it's called uh, Squawk Anthem. You can look it up, but without context in the game, I think it loses a little bit, but it's just like, it's just a good party jam. Like, I'm just jamming in my car to that shit, and it, that is one where it's like, repeat, repeat, repeat i gotta listen to it three times in a row because that's just is so fun and donut county is just a fantastic game with a great sense of humor awesome uh soundtrack and really if you want to try it out it sounds interesting to you um i think it's five bucks on ios and this is definitely the type of video game that when you have someone over that never plays video games isn't interested in video games you can show them donut county and it's instantly accessible and it's really fun just for anyone so yeah big ups to donut county um, Mike, what do you got? I have a very short one this week. Uh, the stuff I like, it's uh, it's hope. That's right. Color hope. No hope. 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 I said taupe. O p e. Hope. Do you have Do you have some more context for us? Yes, I do, Bobby. Um, it's about Obama coming back. The Jets just scored 48 points. I was going to say, uh, it's definitely about the Jets. <laughs> that was, I, Mark, Mark went the wrong direction. I'm like, this is definitely about the Jets actually not sucking. <laughs> the Jets scored 48 points on the road, most in franchise history. And it was with a uh, rookie quarterback. Granted, there was a pick six and a punt return for a touchdown. But don't rain on my parade. You know what, Mike? The fact that I, I knew you were in the middle of something is the only reason I didn't message you after this guy threw a fake pick six on his first NFL pass. <laughs> so I was bothering the other um, Jets fans I'm, I know. <laughs> I'm happy I didn't even know that happened until first pass. told me about it. Woo, first pass, buddy. <laughs> you were already up by like 30. No, no. It was it was yeah, that was uh that made the game seven nothing for the other team. Um the Jets have had many false titles uh since uh since Joe Namath. And this is the next one. Hopefully, hopefully he'll be one that sticks. Uh, if not, he'll follow in a long line of Ken O'Brien, Vinny Testaverde, Pennington, and uh, the let us never forget the super handsome Mark Sanchez. Guys, let me tell you the tale of how happy Mike here was when they drafted Mark Sanchez. We whoo. I mean, this was the same draft, I believe. Was this the one where, Stefan, you and me couldn't wrap our heads around the fact that we got Michael Crabtree? Because <laughs> I think it was the same draft. Because I was, I think I was watching this one. It was the year I, the Raiders decided to take, uh, as they often did, the player with the fastest 40. 
in the uh, draft, regardless of uh, career production or skill. And from yeah. right that year, that was uh, Darius Haywood Bay. Yeah, I remember I, once they drafted DHB, I think uh, you and me were messaging each other at the same moment, Stefan. We're like, oh, my God, we're going to get Crabtree. Oh, my God, we're going to get Crabtree. Oh, my God, we're going to get Crabtree. <laughs> I like Crabtree. We are birthday twins. He had a solid career. Although uh, Sherman kind of undressed him with uh, his uh, Crabtree is mediocre speech because um, that kind of proved true. But uh, still like him, Michael Crabtree. Can I tag uh, on? Because uh, I thought Mike would go a uh, a more big picture direction, but keeping it related to hope and football, uh, a tip of the cap to Nike. Um, yeah, I'm a Nike shill. Yeah, my college is Nike University, but uh, Nike going all in on Colin Kaepernick, that gets three thumbs up from me. I even grew that extra hand just to give another thumb in there. Uh, I love it. Because uh, as I think it was uh, Vice or someone put it, uh, Nike is betting on black. 40-year-old white men do not create culture in this country. I mean, yeah, that was, I think. I like that that Passenger 57 reference you made there as well. (laughs) I'm just saying also, I love me some Jimmy G. But I don't know what happened when he banged that porn star. He come out and throws three picks against the Vikings. Yeah, she sapped his powers. She sapped all of his powers. <laughs> don't you remember? You remember um, John Favreau when he wanted to be the ultimate fighter on Friends? You know, no boom boom before big fight. That's true. It's true. Um, does anybody got anything else, or can we? It. What? Can really say he blew it? Thank you, Mike. Way to go. Um. All right. Does anybody got anything else, or can we all can I eat dinner? <laughs> is that okay with everybody? Um, guys, this is we are in the post episode three hundred era, episode three hundred one. So we're on our way to episode six hundred, clearly, or at least you know three hundred and five. Um, as I mentioned, the UFC card next weekend is none of us are going to see it except maybe Mike, and we all established already that Mike ain't watching that shit. Is there one the following week, or is that one you we are going to an event, or is that? How far away from that are we? A couple weeks from that. I'm not sure about next week. Oh, Manoa versus Santos in Brazil. Motherfucker, can we load some of these cards together? Yeah. All right. Anyway. I'm just wondering if Mike's going to get zone or not so he can watch Musasi versus Rory McDonald. What is this zone you're talking? Oh, don't the, you have? Oh, Dazen. 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 Yeah, they're calling it the zone. You had that, right? You were talking when we when it got announced. You said you had that when we were in Japan, right? Yeah, it was awesome in Japan. I don't know how it is here because in Japan they basically had everything other yeah. than the NBA. If you own a TV network, if you're a TV network and you own an MMA organization, putting your shit on a third party doesn't Makes make sense. a lot of sense to me. I felt Bellator being. I mean, maybe though, as Stefan has mentioned before. You got to be on the premium package to watch fucking Paramount Network. So it makes sense to do that if you are literally scared at opportune times for the people there. You're breaking up. Cut out. You're breaking up a little bit. Well, yeah, I just said it doesn't make sense to have it on a third party when you're in North America and, you know, you have the prime viewing hours. But 
when you're in Japan or in Asia, it, it makes sense to have all of that stuff on Dawson. I don't well, I mean, understand it. I mean, we also know that they're not going to air it live in California because instead they have to show us Indiana Jones and the Crystal, you know, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's very important to air. Um, all right, guys, back next week. Uh, if we can bring ourselves to talk about Jimmy Manoa versus Tiago Santos, that might be a sign that we've run out of stuff to talk about entirely on this podcast. Um, we'll see if Mark Hunt went out there and got another win while he's suing the company. Um, we're on, Mark Hunt's we're on 500 watch. A loss puts him in that even tilt record. Alenix not anywhere near 500. Alenix got like 45 wins. Man's been doing this a long time. It's a lot of Ezekiel chokes. Uh, Mark Hunt can go to Bellator. Or he can, you know what? Maybe he's going to be the Kona main event. Because, I mean, we already know Sage Northcutt's a free agent. Maybe we get Mark Hunt and Sage Northcutt on that card with Chuck and Tito. You know, we get a real thing going on there. Get Mark excited. I do it. Maybe we get Josh Barnett versus Mark Hunt. You know? Okay, now we do the, I mean, they fought before, uh, but I still want to see. Yeah, put that shit in LA. Maybe, maybe they need us to cover the event. You don't know. You know? That's an excuse for Sanchez here to go to L.A. also. We all get credentialed to watch Chuck and Tito. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Thank you all for listening. Mike didn't even entertain that. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll talk to you guys then. And thank you all for listening. Peace out. See ya. See ya. Later.